what wonderful questions have come in. And um, I want, of course, for you to be able to listen to other people's questions and the answers, but if you think of something, you can still uh, send it along using that form. Um, I think I see two questions that go together. Um, that's probably not the first time that will happen, but <clears throat> diving in. Someone has asked, um, how, has creating remote services changed the way that you think about worship? Um, and um, mostly no, not in the big ways. Um, for me, worship is about trying to discern what are the, the spiritual needs of this community, of people individually and, and our wider community, and, um, and to create a music and words and, and, and a whole um, container that will, that will hold those concerns and that will address them. And um, that's really pretty much the same, however human beings communicate, is what I'm finding. Um, on the other hand, um, you know, one of the things that sort of, oh, I don't know, just kind of came clear over my vacation, the way quiet time can help the silt kind of settle down to the bottom. And I, I came back thinking, you know, um, Edith Eddy suggested months ago, thank you, and I'm sorry, Edie, that, um, that maybe we could encourage people um, to turn their video on during the service. We had discouraged it at the beginning, and there were various technical reasons for that, and there were logistical reasons why we just said, well, we can't address that suggestion right now, but um, I'm going to readdress it with, um, with the worship tech crew and see if there's um, any reason nowadays not to encourage that. Um, just as a way of creating more community, which is um, the other question that I have here. Uh, in what ways can I meaningfully connect with this community when not able to physically meet? Um, so um, obviously you're here at the service. I hope that's one meaningful way. Um, but as, as Edie pointed out when she asked, could we do this, um, seeing each other's faces live, um, not just a picture, not just a name on a black screen, um, can really help us remember that we are a gathered community and that there are other people out there having this experience right now. Um, it's a small thing we can do, but, um, uh, but I want to do my piece to make that happen. Other ways to meaningfully connect, well, I am sorry that they all involve Zoom, <laughs> um, almost all involve Zoom, because I know for some people that's really difficult, but here you are again, so I guess I'm speaking to somebody who doesn't find it too difficult. Um, do come to small group meetings that are, that are meeting um, via Zoom. And more and more, and despite the search, um, we have um, opportunities to meet in small groups. They can do that much more easily than a great big main hall full of people um, and still be safe. So, so do come if you can. Um, but if none of that is working for you, please, please call on me or Dan and just let's talk this out and try to meet the, the need that's specific to you because I realize that um, it's just so hard how isolated we can be right now when we most need to not be. Um, and there is this sort of feeling like it just keeps, keeps going. Um, so we're trying to address it in as many ways as we can. Okay, how can we know when we believe in something? Wow. I think it's, I think it, it comes down to self-knowledge, you know, that to, to know what we really think, to know what we believe, involves an ability to be still with ourselves and listen to what's going on in ourselves. And sometimes that's hard because there's so many other voices, 
sometimes we've really been trained, encouraged, badgered out of um, understanding our own selves, what we think, what we feel, and um, what we believe. So I think a lot of us, maybe all of us, need, um, need practice in knowing ourselves. And I, I think that's one of the things that church should be for, you know. Um, it's, and it's why people meditate, it's why people pray, it's why people do art or go for long walks or um, do a team sport or whatever. I mean, you, you know, p- people have ways where they feel like, oh, I'm most myself at this time. I'm most in touch with who I am at this time. I think when we have enough of that in our lives, then the piece about what we believe comes clear. What are some ways our congregation can support efforts to change our country and our community to be more just and equitable for people of all races, ethnicities, gender identities, economic classes, and other forms of oppression? Wow, I love that question. And there are so many ways we are doing it already. There are always so many more ways we can be doing it. I wasn't joking when I said go to the Green Sanctuary Committee meeting if you would like to help um, green our world um, because that is, um, of course, very much a justice issue and that's one of the things that our committee will be working on. Um, It's about the whole planet and all the beings in the planet, but it's also um, about how inequitably, unequitably people are struck by environmental problems. We have folks engaging in beloved conversations starting in a couple weeks. This is the time to sign up. So if you are interested in being part of Beloved Conversations Virtual, it comes to us glowingly recommended by um, Linda Hannigan and Brooke Bashara. You know, fire me follow-up questions about any of these things if you wish, or them. Um, We have Dismantling White Supremacy Group. Um, We have um, a... um, welcoming congregation renewal group. These are ways we're working on it right now. We have the safe parking program and um, that we are trying to launch. There's gonna be a question about that I see coming down the list here. And and the programs that we do right here, um, the service programs, Hotel de Zinc and Heart and Home. Um, So many ways to work on this. There's a lot of people working against voter suppression, huge, huge issue um, that that uh, applies to all those things. Um, and um, yeah, I think getting, getting involved together is really great because um, it can be discouraging work and we need to help each other along. What's a nice Jewish girl like you doing in a church like this? <laughs> Two-part answer. One, uh, this nice Jewish girl was raised by devoted Jewish parents to ask questions and um, to to follow uh, where her questions led. Um, I sometimes wonder, I think it might have made them a little sad that it led me to question my way out of um, conservative Judaism in which I was raised, but um, but uh, they've always been incredibly supportive and I think it's because um, this is how they raised me to be. Um, and the other part, in a church like this, I'm just so glad to be in a church that welcomes people with their various religious backgrounds and paths. My path isn't particularly Jewish anymore, um, but I know it's deep in, Judaism is deep in me, um, and that, that feels completely welcome here. Um, 
even with the word church, which I know for some people that feels really like that's a barrier um, if they grew up in a, in a religion that doesn't call their gathering place a church. Um, I made my peace with that personally, but I realize that's, um, that can be hard for people. So in a congregation like this, if that works better for you, having grown up Jewish or Muslim or Hindu or something else. Why is there air? Somebody here must be able to answer that better than I can. Um, I, you might be joking, but I, I, I think it's a great an, a, example of um, a backwards question. The, I mean, there's reasons why there's air on certain planets, right? Okay. Um, but the reason that we are here to ask that question is because there is the kind of air here that there is. That's why we are beings that can breathe a mostly nitrogen mix with enough oxygen for us to survive, right? Um, as opposed to, say, methane that is the air on some planets. So. Why are there people here? Because there is people kind of air. Okay, this first question sounds a little rhetorical, um, but why should we still have a relationship with Stevenson House? And I want to answer that as a real question. Um, so the, the person who goes on to ask about you know, how um, we help them get started, which is true. We have a long history together. Um, sometimes our relationship is a little tense, like uh, getting everybody to wear their masks, please, when you're on our campus. Um, and, um, and now there's this tension about um, most of us here at church wanting a, a safe parking program hosted by our congregation and um, Stevenson House is opposed to that. Um, so, but the question is, why should we still have a relationship? Uh, and, and we're going to still have a relationship because we're neighbors, we want to be good neighbors to each other, and we're not always going to see eye to eye. So um, uh, Christopher Kahn, um, who's leading the Safe Parking Program, and Brooke Bashara, our president, and I were just touching base about that this week, affirming that we will continue to be in conversation with them, not just at city council meetings, um, because we are neighbors. And even when we are really in conflict about something, um, we want to um, work together as much as we can on the things that we can work together about. So, um, so we will, uh, like in any relationship, um, it's important for us, one of the parties, to do what we believe is right, to do what we believe is safe, um, and um, not to sacrifice any of our integrity um, because the other party wants us to do something different, but to still keep as good a relationship as is possible within those strictures. So let us carry on. And of course, we have many people who are um, members of both those communities, and I want that to work out well for you all who are here from Stevenson House. I'm sorry if that's feeling like a difficult time for you. What do you do when you feel guilty for being fortunate? <clears throat> you know, I remember um, a, a, an image um, that has come to me um, many, many times that really struck me when I was young and getting radicalized um, in the best way um, was, um, was the idea that um, I don't think it's not Jesus. It's not what Jesus says about the coat. It's something, it's a saint somewhere or something about like if you see somebody who has, if you have a coat and, and somebody doesn't have one, then you, you are stealing from them. Um, I, I don't actually, most of the time, think that being fortunate um, causes is a reason to be guilty. It's fortune, it's luck, right? But here we are, um, adults. We can make decisions about um, what we do with our good fortune, and um, 
And I do, um, in my more radical moments, think, well, I should be evening things out so much that not that I am shivering with cold, but that I have just enough. And um, so all that is a preface to saying, I do not live what I am about to say. I work on it. I think that you try to reduce the gap between your good fortune and others' ill fortune as much as possible. Because we all just got a roll of the dice in how we landed. Um, um, but after that, there's something we can do. Um, we can work hard, which sometimes can make your luck turn. But as we know, you can work really hard and still be scraping along. Um, and I don't think it's just about giving things away. I think we focus too much on individual solutions. By all means, do. And I am very aware at this moment that I spent a lot of money on a vacation. I could have given that all away. I didn't need to go across the country in an airplane with my family. So these are all compromises, and they're all imperfect all the time. But I think um, feeling like we do what we can to create a more just system um, and really digging deep to what that would mean is the best response to guilt. Um, we have a system that really more and more helps the fortunate become richer and richer and the unfortunate fall into hopeless poverty. It does not have to be that way. It hasn't always been that way. See the above question about dealing with economic injustices? Ah, oh, I would love to have a group about working on economic injustice, but we have enough groups, but a lens to put on all the things that we're doing is class. So my personal answer is I don't usually, usually give out a guilt, but I, I try to give away a good chunk more than my financial advisor thinks I should of my, um, of my income and wealth. That feels like the least I can do. How do you know when the appropriate answer is not an answer but instead a question? <laughs> I should say something witty in the form of a question right now, but I, I can't think of anything. Um, you know, see my, that, that very early answer about how do we know when we know something? How do we know when we're being honest? So I will say about almost all my answers right now, they're all, they all have a great big asterisk on them and what says at the bottom of the page is, or maybe not. I mean, I don't know. There's a question. There's a question in all of these answers. Seems like you might have something specific in mind, so do ask me if you, more if you can. How is it that some Christians believe the God of Noah is going to save our planet again? You know, God of Noah didn't do such a great job the first time, right? We'll save the planet by drowning almost everybody. Um, I do not know. I honestly don't know how people can believe the things they do. I guess we all, we all have some beliefs that are completely irrational. I know that. We all do things that, that are just to comfort ourselves. Um, every single one of us. And um, I mean, I'm not saying Christianity as a whole is irrational. I'm just saying that, I'm saying in this context of, of believing, he, oh, the, the, the planet is going down the tubes and we should just pray to God, God will fix it. 
Um, I think God has sent us lots of ways to fix it. If, if there's a God out there, God has given us the IPCC and good brains and um, the will if we choose to use it. So I'm stumped. How to make my older years meaningful when I don't have a lot of energy? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I don't know what may, has made your life feel meaningful at times when you had less energy. Um, this is maybe an easier answer for people whose um, most meaningful, meaning-making activities um, don't take nearly as much energy, like um, reading and conversing, for example. I mean, I know we can reach a point where even that takes too much energy, but um, it takes a lot less energy than, say, playing on your um, soccer team. So I think thinking about um, what are the things, uh, there are just some things that maybe that were a great source of meaning before that have to go by the wayside and that grieving that is important and focus on the things that you can still do that, um, that do help you feel meaning in your life. What's something I learned during my break? Um, the place I went in Maine is one of the most beautiful spots on the planet. I'm afraid to say the name because, you know, maybe everybody will go there. Um, no, I'm, I'm just joking. Harpswell, Maine. Um, I also learned a cure for homesickness. It's not the only time I've learned this, but I needed to learn it again. Going back to Vermont, where I have not lived for 18 years, but where I still, which I still miss um, now and then, um, spending a few days there really helped me lay that to rest. Um, it's very beautiful. I loved being there. I look forward to going again. And it doesn't, thinking about it doesn't give me the ache that it gave me in the past. I hope that lasts. Um, I've learned that before when I went to places that I, that I missed so terribly that, that it, it hurt inside, that just to see them once again allowed me to, to let it go somehow. Somebody asks, how are you? No, really, how are you? Thank you. I really, really am doing great. <laughs> um, yes. I am among the fortunate. I am very blessed. Uh, if I can embarrass my daughter, I was reminded of that just this week when I said something about how great uh, it is to be with her. And somebody said, wow, you're lucky. That the 13 through 15 years were not like that for me and my kids. And I thought, yeah, I'm really lucky. Um, and you know, it's OK, Indigo, if you want to melt down sometime and be impossible, that's allowed too. Um, but, um, yeah, I just realizing that even the things in my life that are supposed to be um, difficult are, are, are really quite blessed right now. Um, let's see. To keep democracy alive, we may need to reach out to voters continuously, not just right before elections. Do you agree? Yes. If so, can the UU Church help with that? Yes. 
Yes, I've been writing postcards. Um, uh, right to, um, I think Elsa is still doing this, Elsa Schaefer, sorry if I'm steering people wrong. Um, Linda Hannigan sends out um, postcards to voters, partly about voting, but also about other kinds of organizing. And I, I love the ones that work, um, that get their information from Reclaim Our Vote, because that is a people of color led organization, and I feel like that's where I, a white person, need to be taking my cue. Um, and, um, they're doing great stuff. I sent a zillion postcards to people to go to their um, rural electrification board meeting, um, which is not kidding. This is important, and, um, but it's all about helping people to feel their power all the time and responding to what those local communities say they need from us. So please, yes. We had a great time um, all writing postcards together one day about a year and a half ago, shortly before the shutdown. So I hope we'll do that again, um, but we can do it home um, meeting by Zoom too. How do you take care of yourself amid all your responsibilities? Um, well, sporadically, I'm not always so good about it, but um, the things I do best are I get enough sleep, I read for pleasure, uh, this is, I talk to a lot of colleagues and I realize that people feel like they never read for pleasure and I think, oh, I totally indulge myself about that. It's just non-negotiable for me. Um, so good. Um, Exercise, don't like that part, but I'm trying to be better about it. And um, have time with my family. That's the most important thing. And for much more about this, see next week's service. I mean, that's not just about me, about how all of us can take care of ourselves amid our responsibilities. Um, but thank you. I, you know, COVID really brings home to me. I don't have it so bad. I am not like one of our, one of our community ministers, Melissa Thompson, a chaplain in a hospital. Uh, she does pa palliative care. It is, it is nonstop dealing with COVID. I know Jen Dillinger, who's also a chaplain at a different hospital, would say something very similar, although palliative care is not particularly her specialty. Um, you know, people in medical fields and, and other people related uh, directly to COVID are, have been out straight for a year and a half. I feel very lucky in comparison. What does the worship, your word worship mean to you use? <laughs> you use, do you use mean one thing by any such thing? Who or what do we worship? Um, well, for some people it doesn't mean anything. And I, I've, I mean, we've had worship associates who say, could I call myself the service associate? That word means nothing to me. Call yourself what you like. We call it worship. We interpret that very broadly. Um, you know, for me, there are things that I worship. There are things that I want to take a moment to remember and revere, and I hope that our services are a part of that. But that's not all that services are. Um, even for other traditions, which have a much clearer theology of a particular God to whom you speak, for example. That's not all that they do in their services. It's not all about um, praising that God. Um, it's, uh, it's about remembering what's important to us. It's about um, realigning ourselves with our values. It's about um, summoning the will to follow those values. It's about staying connected, especially when we need each other's support. Um, all of that is what we do in worship. Um, so, um, but boy, wouldn't that make a great service? What, is, what does the word worship mean to you? And get a whole bunch of people speaking on that and um, We'd have, we'd have six different answers, right? Including some people saying nothing. I don't like the word. I don't, it's not something I do. Um, bum, bum, bum. 
I struggle with the word perfect. Does the relative use of this word translate to all being perfect in the end or nothing? Should it be a word to use only in reference to personal outlook and define so in dictionaries, adding to the existing definition of without flaw or defect? I'm not sure what you mean by um, perfect personal outlook, but you know, I don't, I don't, I say this as a perfectionist. I know there is no such thing as perfection. I mean, right, somebody asked, one of the kids' questions in the poem was about perfection, right? There's not, nothing is perfect um, in terms of, of having no flaw, no defect, um, you know, except in a very, you know, narrow sense. Um, so um, I struggle with it too, all in all, I think we should use it less. Uh, I loved being introduced to the expression, instead of practice makes perfect, practice makes progress. That just, I, look, I, get, I feel myself breathing more deeply just hearing that shift. I don't, uh, perfection is not a goal that I feel I can aim for. For a denomination that does not embrace the word Christian, how do we take back the word from those who use it to support very non-Christian beliefs? Boy, that is, so, that is so where we get stuck so often, isn't it? And, and um, I wish we embraced the word Christian better um, as a denomination. I mean, not that we are a Christian denomination. We're not. You know, we are multi-religious. Some of us are Christian. Some of us are not. Those who say they're Christian mean many different things by that. Of course, of course. Um, but I think it is important to take the word back. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful and honorable tradition with so much beauty in it. And, and it is the path of many of our folks here at UUCPA and, and um, in the wider UU world. Um, so um, I guess I try to take a historical perspective. Probably people have always been doing this, right? People have always been using the same religious labels that we use to mean the exact opposite, to use things that we are against, to use things that we feel are, are, are downright wrong and evil. Um, and I think we just have to keep saying, no, that's not what I think it means. You know, to me, Christianity means this. And to just say it. And you can quote all the people who support your view, you know. Uh, for me, it would be Jesus and Dorothy Day and Martin Luther King. And um, I, I, I say that's what, now I can't say what Christianity is. I'm not the final authority on it, but to say over and over again, these are the things that Christianity means to me. These are the people I see being good Christians. Those are the people I want to emulate, even though I'm not even a Christian. Those are people I admire and I say, they make me think Christianity is a good and, and bless, a blessing to the world. Um, I think we just have to keep doing it boldly and say it to people. Oftentimes we have to say it to the people who are kind of in our camp, right? People come to church and they're like, oh, you know, don't, don't use religious language that sounds like Christian because, ah, you know, and they have these understandable, horrific thoughts about the likes of um, Pat Robertson, you know? I'm so out of date. There are more worse people more recently. Um, and, um, and I get it, and, and I have to say, yeah, that's, he's not the whole picture, and, um, you know, everything's like that, including Unitarian Universalism. There's plenty of UUs I'm not proud to be associated with um, in our history. Not too many nowadays, but sometimes. And, um, and it's important to say, to me, this is what our tradition tells me to do.
Otherwise, they'll just grab it. They'll, they'll claim it, and they'll claim it in the eyes of other people, and that will never stop. And everybody struggles with this, if they're honest. So let's uh, claim the beauty of our traditions for ourselves and a world, because it, it needs it. It needs them. Wow, I actually answered all those questions, but I'm running a little late. Um, not too late, because we did. Uh, we just have a couple more things that we want to do together, but one of them is to sing. So thank you, everybody, for your questions. I'll keep checking that um, form for just a couple more days before I take it down, and of course, um, I'm going to um, follow up on the questions you asked me to ask you. So if you think of other things, do, um, do send them to me that way. Um, and, um, and of course, questions. As Ms. Cummins told her students, they are always, always welcome. They're always needed.